Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be interviewing world-renowned spiritual channel, Paul Selig. The two of them will be discussing his third and final book in his acclaimed Mastery Trilogy series entitled The Book of Freedom. So you want to tune in and be guided to the knowledge of your true self. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, attorney turned life coach, Sunny Joy McMillan. And we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing coaches, teachers, authors, and healers who are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch us live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. And I invite you to connect with me on Facebook. And of course, you can find me there by my name, Sunny Joy McMillan. But I also have a page for the show, which is Sunny in Seattle Radio. And if you follow that page, you will get the links to our upcoming guests so you can see who is going to be on the show in any given week. Um, My website for my coaching and all that other good stuff stuff is goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com if you need to connect with me after the show. And I want to mention to you guys, it is that time of year again. We are doing our KKNW annual survey. Um, And this just really helps uh, the folks who manage the station figure out what your needs are, what you like to hear, what you don't like to hear, so that we can tailor things to you guys. So just log on to 1150kknw.com and fill out the 2018 KKNW listener survey. And as always, there are added incentives when you do fill out that survey. And so this year, uh, one lucky winner will get a round trip passage on the Victoria Clipper to Victoria, B.C., plus a $100 gift certificate to Schwartz Brothers Restaurants. So uh, if you want to be that lucky person, you got to fill out the survey. So just go to 1150kknw.com and uh, you will be entered to win once you fill out that survey. Okay, so enough housekeeping. Um, I'm so excited to welcome back to the show uh, Paul Selig. Um, You guys may already have many of his books on your shelf, but for those who don't know Paul, He is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today in his breakthrough works of channel literature. I am the word, the book of love and creation, the book of knowing and worth, the book of mastery and the book of truth. Author and medium Paul Selig has recorded an extraordinary program for personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. Born in New York City, Paul attended NYU or New York University and received his master's degree from Yale. A spiritual experience in 1987 left him clairvoyant, and Paul is considered one of the foremost contributors to the field of channeled literature working today. He offers channeled workshops internationally and serves on the faculty of the Omega Institute, the Kripalu Center, and the Esalen Institute. Also a noted playwright and educator, he served on the faculty of NYU for over 25 years. He directed the MFA in creative writing program at Goddard College for many years, and he now serves on the college's board of trustees. He lives in New York City, where he maintains a private practice as an intuitive and conducts frequent live stream seminars. You can visit him online, find out more about all of this at paulselig.com. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G. 
Um, and so we're here today to discuss the latest book in the Mastery Trilogy, the final and third book in the Mastery Trilogy called The Book of Freedom. Um, Paul, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so it's really wonderful to welcome you back, and I've really enjoyed um, watching the evolution of this trilogy now with the Book of Freedom. Um, but for those who haven't read all the books before, may not know your work, um, mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated to hear how um, spiritual channels began their work, how the channeling started for them. Um, could you share a little bit with us about how your relationship with the guides and channeling started? Sure. I mean, I, I wasn't somebody who necessarily put a lot of credence in channeling. I, you know, wasn't looking to do this. I I had an awakening of some kind when I was about 25. I, I woke up to the possibility that there was more and had a bit of an experience that, that helped show me that and started developing clairvoyantly without really understanding what was going on. I was seeing little lights around people. And I ended up studying a form of energy healing to get a context for what I was beginning to experience. And I was volunteering at a center in New York. Um, It was the height of the AIDS epidemic, and these little places were popping up. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I could hear things for them. Um, And that was the opening to clear audience. And um, and then I, I hosted a group in my apartment in New York that met for about 18 years. And sometimes, you know, there were three people, sometimes, you know, 15 or 20. And I was sitting in the energy, and I began receiving instruction pretty much when I started, although the way, the way that I work now is, is, is markedly different than how it was when I first began to open up. So first I was hearing for other people, and then I was hearing for a group. And I wasn't expecting to or planning to. It really just sort of began to happen and as it's happened, I think the, the skill set has become a bit more refined. Yeah, and it's been interesting to me also because um, in comparison with other channels that it just seems to be the the information is flowing and they don't get too involved. One of the things that I've loved about your work is that you have no problem interjecting in the middle of a channel. And I was l- laughing in this latest book when you say at one point now, what the hell does that mean to the guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's funny, you know, how has that changed for you? I mean, are you still as skeptical or perhaps resistant to some of the material or are you getting more comfortable or do you think you'll always question it when it's coming through? I, I think, I think, I think I may always question, but I question in a different way now. I actually trust the transmission, but at times they'll introduce a concept that is beyond my capacity to really comprehend. And so what the guides that I work with have managed to do finally, and I think this is a a, a great thing, is they anticipate my questions now much of the time. And so they'll say, Paul is interrupting or Paul has a question, just as I was about to (laughs) create a question or about to interrupt and that sort of allows them to to maintain the dictation um so it's become a bit of a teaching tool for them but you know i don't write these books i mean they're i just finished the dictation on the seventh book and you know all all of these things are really the unedited transcripts of these sessions and my name appears on the cover but i don't 
feel that I'm the author at all. I'm a collaborator and that I'm the radio that the transmission is coming through. But because my name's on the cover, if something is too far out or too challenging for me, I feel like I need to understand it more. And those are the interruptions. Um, it's the way that I work and I suspect always may, um, but I don't know how to do it. Otherwise, I'm not a trans channel, so I'm I'm present for the work. I'm just receded. I like to say it's like I'm in the back seat of the car letting the guides drive. And when I fear that they're making a turn that I is too challenging for me, I'll lean over to the front seat and say, hey, where are we going? Yeah. And then they'll answer. Sometimes they'll just say, you know, let us teach, and we'll come back to your question <laughs> later. And that's fine with me as well. Yeah, and on that note that sometimes there are some concepts that are pretty heavy and I will say that as the books have gone on I'm some of the concepts seem very they're hard to wrap my head around which is perhaps mm -hmm. not a bad thing but um I've I've heard the guide say before in previous works you know that it's a vibratory oracle or that mm -hmm. it's a vibrational experience can you speak to that because sometimes I get concerned I don't understand all the words but it sounds like I'm still getting something from it well, they say that the books are operating on two levels. There are the words in the page, which provide an intellectual context for the reader, so we have some understanding of where we're going and what they're, what they're teaching. But they say that the real book is the energetic transmission, that the books are working directly with the readers. So if you look at some of the reviews on, you know, for any of the books, actually, you'll, you'll see things like, I'm reading the book and my body is vibrating, I'm reading the book and I'm, I'm seeing energy. And so there is this really sort of interesting sort of immediate and alive experience that people seem to have with these texts. It's the same things that happen when I'm channeling a workshop and the energy comes through and the energy is very palpable and people are then taught to work with it in very direct ways. So the books are just another expression of the guides. They're really not... They're not self-help books. They're not there to fix things. They really are, I, I believe, transformational texts that are really supporting uh, a different kind of energetic alignment that then produces a different kind of experience of being. And that seems to be part of what they're going for. The concepts you know, that they speak to, they're pretty willing to unpack. Yeah. So there's nothing that they teach at this point that I'm now going, that's impossible, it can't be so. I am going at times, I get it, I want to understand it more, and I want to be able to experience it more. And the fortunate thing is when I do these workshops around the country and the guides bring the energy through, I get to experience it, and so does the, the student of the work, because... Again, there is a current that seems to come that does a lot of the work with us. Yeah, and I um, I listened to, when, when you have been on the show before, I listened mm -hmm. to the other works on Audible, which I love for anybody out there listening who enjoys an audio book. Um, Paul is actually the one narrating it, and it's wonderful. I, I really like your voice, and so it's I enjoy listening to them as audiobooks. Um, this latest one I read as a paper copy, and it's mm -hmm. interesting because I can attest to what you're talking about with the feelings of things happening energetically in my body. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting sensation. I don't always recommend listening to them while driving. <laughs> Sometimes mm -hmm. I've had to pull over. Um, yeah, but I... I 
I can tell that something is happening, and so I'm curious. You know, when you say these aren't self help books, these are these, yeah. yeah, these are they're they're shifting something. So how for people out there listening, how will they know that things are different in their life? Other than, for example, what I just mentioned, that when I'm listening to the book, I feel something in the body. What is the extension of that, or the tangible manifestation? In our lives. The reality that you live in and express through. I mean, the guides say, you know, you know, people talk about manifesting. I'm going to manifest a new house or a new relationship, and we've we we think about manifestation. I think is something that we get. Mm-hmm. You know, if we do something right, and in fact, my guides would suggest that we're manifesting everything in our lives. That doesn't mean you created the war in the Middle East or you created the the current political situation, it does mean that energetically you're in vibratory accord to them because we're in vibratory accord to everything that we experience. So if you can imagine that we're operating as a tone or as a vibratory cord, Mm -hmm. that cord is calling into agreement that which is in existence at like vibration. What the guides are doing is actually lifting the energetic field and the body to operate in a higher accord and consequently what you then begin to call to you is operating in a different way it really is a teaching of embodiment so you know who you are the guides would suggest isn't the personality structure that we've over identified through you know i'm paul i'm this age i went to this school all that stuff you read about me that somebody prepared is it's not really who I am. It's just how I've experienced myself here in a way for others to know me. The truth of who you are, which the guides would call the true self or the divine self or the eternal self, is seeking its own realization as and through you. And that's the aspect of you that in a realized state calls a higher accord or agreement to reality to you, which expresses itself then as manifestation or the manifest world. So let's say we haven't read all the books yet or that our, mm-hmm. our frequency is still calling in things that are really uncomfortable for us, calling yeah. in a divorce, calling in a bankruptcy. Yeah. What, what do we do with those or why have we done that? Well, I mean, we're here to learn, you know, and you can learn at any level. I can learn a lot through a bankruptcy or a failed relationship. And the idea that these things are supposed to work as we think they should Mm -hmm. is some kind of external uh, ascription of how reality should be. I should be at my perfect weight. I should have the perfect partner. I should have the perfect home and the perfect child. And I think that those are, in fact, recipes for misery because (laughs) we're always then aspiring to something that we're not or we don't have. But the idea of realizing who we truly are and I'm not saying I'm there yet, but realizing who we truly are, then that begins to express and then call different experiences to us. So, you know, my guides say we're here to learn, and you can learn at any level. I can learn through putting my hand in a hot frying pan that you shouldn't touch the hot frying pan, you know. I can also choose to learn in other ways. So if you have stuff in your life that is making you miserable, Uh, These become then the opportunities for growth. You can't do this work and sort of claim victimhood at a certain point because then that puts you in a relationship to a reality that is preying on you or is supporting 
an inability to transform and to change. But the moment I reframe my relationship to to life and to an external life, the things then become opportunities for realization. So, I mean, the guides say, you know, the divine is in everything or in nothing at all. And they say, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. And when I was going through a whole rack of crap, when I was channeling uh, the Book of Mastery, mm-hmm. um, I mean, every area in my life sort of that I thought I had made work just the way I wanted, you know, my body, my home, everything was sort of where I wanted. My dog, Mm -hmm. the dog died, the apartment building got sold, I threw my back out. I mean, all at once, and I went, what the hell is this? (laughs) And, you know, the lesson for me and in the book was, you know, the true self or the divine self cannot be persecuted. And that was mind-blowing, you know, that there's an aspect of us that is still whole and, you know, realized beyond the experience of the personality structure. So all of these, this sort of grappling, this shell gain to get, to get everything in order, that it looks right, I, I don't think that ever works. I think, you know, sometimes we, we, you know, put everything on the table the way we want, and then the table gets turned over. And then that then becomes the opportunity to know God or spirit or whatever you want to call it. You know, at least that's how it was for me. I certainly didn't get into this stuff because things were doing so well. I sort of fell through a trap door, you know, into something that I had been raised to believe didn't even exist. Right. So the the guides talk in, in this latest book, the Book of Freedom, about the, the braiding of the divine self, the true self, yeah. and the small self. And it sounds like you had... Um, through those events that you just mentioned that would seemingly be pretty unpleasant as a mm-hmm. human, that you were able to tap into the divine self and see that it could not be touched. But I'm just curious, you know, it's it, when they talk about the braiding of these two, it uh-huh. I find it difficult to stay connected to the divine self on a yeah. consistent basis. How, I mean, how do we even do that? Well, I mean, the the guides work with these claims of truth. You know, they call them claims of truth, not affirmations. You're not affirming what you want to be so. You're affirming what is already so. And and the claims are energetic attunements. So the guides say we're all radios. We're always in broadcast. The broadcast that we're playing is our consciousness, and that's what's calling our experience and reality to us. So the simple claim, I know who I am in truth, I know what I am in truth, I know how I serve in truth, they say is claimed by the true self who always knows who he is or who she is Mm -hmm. and what, which means in manifestation. How we serve is simply how we express, not what we do for a living and, you know, how we're seen doing what we do in the world. So that they say that those claims call us into present time, which is the only time that we can know. You know, and this is a a big teaching about being in one's knowing. So the idea of sort of maintaining identity, again, I don't think it can be done by the small self who's sort of always going, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm a divine being. (laughs) That can really only be done by the aspect of self that knows it and giving it permission to, to be as you. Now, I don't know if I'm explaining this well. I get it because I struggle with it too. I mean, the guides say that there's an aspect of all of us that is already operating in a higher way. I mean, I suppose you can call it the higher self. They don't call it that. They call it the true self or the divine self or at times the Christ itself. And they define the Christ as the aspect of the creator 
that can be realized in material form is who and what you are. And it's that aspect of you that knows who she is that is then beginning to express. So I don't think that this teaching comes at the cost of our humanity. The teaching that you're describing in the book was about the braiding of the will. And it was a trippy teaching, but they say, you know, we've been, you know, this whole paradigm of, you know, thy will, not mine, be done, which, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a, a wonderful way in. But the idea of the surrendered will or offering the will also presupposes that what the small self or personality self wants must not be right. Mm -hmm. And when they talk about the braiding of the will, they're really talking about moving into a unified state where the will that you hold is, has been incorporated or braided with the higher, so you become one expression. And then you're not operating, you know, as the guides say, you know, we like to bring you up to the 20th floor, but every time something goes wrong, you want to run down to the basement again to deal with it. And that's never going to really work. We've got to find a way to sort of maintain the residence in the upper octave or the higher room and then lift what we encounter to us, which is now what they're teaching, you know. So I don't know if that made any sense. I mean, it sounds, I think, more heady than it is, but I think there's really practical application to this work. Um, it's not about escaping the life you live. It's about being in the life you live but operating in a higher accord. And there's really simple choices that you or anybody can make. And the guides say, you know, the action of fear is to claim more fear. Yeah. And every choice you make in fear is going to get you more of the same. And look at the last choice you made in fear and see what it got you, and you'll find you probably got more fear. So not making choices based in fear. And they say you can't be the light and hold another in darkness because that's going to bring you right back down to the small self and the personality self. And they say, you know, self-righteousness is always the small self. So beginning to work with that, again, will support you in maintaining the higher level. And there's help for this. You know, again, my small self can't do it on his own. Yeah. And so you mentioned also, Paul, and the, the, the claims of truth. And these are yeah. claims that, um, that I've enjoyed watching progress as the works have mm -hmm. progressed. So I know who I am. I know what I am. I know how yeah. I serve. And then it became... I know who I am in truth. I know what I am mm -hmm. in truth. I know how I am in truth. Or I know how I serve in truth. Yep. <laughs> and then now it's become the addition of I am free, I am free, yep. I am free. So tell us about the, you know, here we are with the third book in the trilogy. Yeah. What is the thrust here? What is the evolution that you've seen? Well, what they're doing, and it's really interesting because they just dictated the next book. So now I understand where this all fits in progression, yeah. which is was a little shocking for me once I understood what they were moving to. The claim, I am free, I am free, I am free, which is again claimed by the true self, is the release of the agreement to history, mm. the agreements made by the community about what is so and what reality is. It's all of those things that you can call a matrix, which isn't a word that they really use, but that would bind us to a limited identity, a limited sense of self. So I'm free of, of who I've been taught to be, what I thought, think I am, mm -hmm. what I thought I should be, but I'm also free of 
the constrictions or the collective agreements that would hold me from my own inheritance. And the guides would say, you know, the inheritance that's available to us, they call it, you know, the kingdom, and they've clearly, they're utilizing this language that's been used by religion and sort of unpacking it differently, but they talk about the kingdom as the awareness of the divine in all manifestation. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one who enters that is the one who knows who she is in alignment to it. So you're releasing the stuff that's holding you from your true expression, which is as as the true self, which is, you know, in, encompassing your uniqueness and your, your 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 being and your personality self. Because there's nothing wrong with that. It's just really not who you truly are. Yeah, and were there any? I know you. I would love to touch upon the seventh book um, toward the end of the show today to kind of give folks a preview of what's coming if you're open to that. But um, for now, with the with this latest book, the Book of Freedom, mm-hmm. were there any surprises for you in that one? And the Book of Freedom, you know, I'm always channeling, and they do these books publicly. I mean, the Book of Freedom and the one that's following after that. They were both dictated entirely in front of audiences and students and live streams or workshops mm-hmm. around the world at this point. And, I, and so I forget when they say what and what book things land in because the teaching is always progressive. Um, some of what always surprises me, well, I'll tell you what really surprised me in the Book of Freedom was what they're calling the echo. Mm-hmm. And the echo is a trip. And one of the big teachings of the Book of Freedom is the manifestation of the divine in form, that the body has been excluded from the equation of divinity. So, you know, we've been taught to believe that God's up in the clouds and we're in the mud, and the guys are saying, you know, God's the mud, Hmm. too, as is every cell of your body. So the reclamation of the body in the claim, I know what I am, which they teach, I know what I am, as an aspect of the manifestation of the divine in form. When you align at that level and you claim the divine in anything you see, because they say that the energy of the divine is present or inherent in all matter, but to go to another and to claim, I know what you are, um, you'll actually feel the energy come back to you from them. And it comes as a wave. It's fascinating. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, we've done this in groups and in large groups, and everybody's able to feel, you know, sort of the ramification of the claim. And I guess, I guess it goes to the idea of, you know, what you bless blesses you back. Right. But the claiming of the divine in matter lifts the, lifts the thing you see, and the thing you see will give you back the same level of alignment. So the physical component of the work is always surprising to me because that's how I know it's real, you know, not just by hearing the idea, but by having the experience of it. Yes. Well, um, on that note, we're going to take our break for the show right now. I'm joined today by Paul Selig, uh, one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. Um, has just uh, will be releasing. Is it November sixth, Paul, that the book comes yes, out? Yes, it is. Yes, November sixth. Um, the third book in the Mastery trilogy will be released. It's called The Book of Freedom. And when we come back from our break, we will continue talking about it. We'll be back in just a few. Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? 
If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story, and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available for pre-order today on Amazon.com. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Along coastlines, some homes that are currently high and dry could be flooded as seas rise over the next century. The threat may be several decades away, but the real estate market is already responding. Ryan Lewis of the University of Colorado is part of a team that analyzed hundreds of thousands of coastal real estate transactions over a decade. They compared the sale prices of homes that were similar in almost every way. Same size, same zip code, and the same distance from the beach. The difference is either one house is slightly higher than the other, or one house is protected by natural features. In other words, two identical homes, one more likely to flood in the future and one less. The analysis found that more vulnerable properties sold, on average, for about 7% less. Lewis says the difference is mainly driven by real estate investors. They're often more aware of the threats posed by sea level rise, so they offer less for at-risk properties. But individual homebuyers may be less informed. We want these people to be more aware of the risk and hopefully paying a discount or maybe just even choosing a different property if this is not a risk that they're willing to face. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Children who grow up in poverty are part of a destructive cycle. Childhood poverty creates adult poverty, creates childhood poverty, and on and on. And this is a relentless cycle. Worldwide, millions of children live in extreme poverty. At Child Fund International, we find this unacceptable. So we do all we can. In 25 countries, we are vigorously fighting poverty and improving the lives of over 11 million children and their families. Our programs support early childhood development and children's health and education. And we help strengthen the economic security of families. Childhood poverty creates adult poverty, creates childhood poverty. But at Child Fund International, we are committed to breaking this destructive cycle. Today's childhood poverty must not become tomorrow's. Learn more at childfund.org. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, joined today by uh, Spiritual Channel Paul Selig, uh, discussing his latest book, The Book of Freedom, which is due out on November 6th. It completes the Mastery Trilogy. Um, And um, before the break, we were learning a little bit about some of the concepts that have been presented in The Book of Freedom. And 
You know, I want to back up just a little bit, Paul, and I'm mm-hmm. curious, they, the, the guides do reference um, terms, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. that are um, religious, uh, from religious texts, let's say, things like Christ and thy will be done. And, um, and so I'm just curious, you know, guides also talk a lot about, or at least what I understand, that, that the original messages of truth and a lot of the religious teachings have been distorted and corrupted. Yeah. So I'm curious. It's uh, even for me. I, I consider myself. Um, I was raised in a more conservative Christian household, and I had to go away from that to come back to my spirituality mm-hmm. and find a faith that worked for me. Um, but I, it's sometimes it's hard for me to hear those words in mm-hmm. these texts. It, I have yeah. bristle at them. So tell us a little bit about how to how to work with those words, knowing some people have been pretty scarred. Well, I think it's about. I think I think they're reclaiming the language, mm-hmm. frankly, and I think they're unpacking it to mean what it was intended to mean before it became appropriated mm-hmm. um, or misused in some way. And so I've never heard them use a term that they haven't unpacked. Um, and it's not a religious teaching. I mean, I was raised an atheist, you mm-hmm. know, so I don't come with this stuff. I mean, I had an introduction to new thought stuff in my 20s that, that, that used some of this language as well, but that was the extent of it. So there's a tendency, I think, to, to throw out the baby with the bathwater with this stuff. And at the same time, I think some of this stuff seems to be reaching people who had been really turned off by religion and have been sort of, you know, you know, trolling around in the new age. And, you know, the challenge with some of the new agey stuff is it's not terribly grounded. Right. Um, it can be a little floaty and it can be also, I think at times a little self-aggrandizing, you know, and that's not this teaching. I mean, this isn't the teaching of how to manifest a, a bigger condo or, <laughs> you know, it's just not, I don't think there's anything wrong with those other teachings. It's just a different way in and it's not a convenient teaching. So I would suggest that if there is that resistance, that might actually be a really productive way in. You know, there's a, a writer who endorsed um, the Book of Freedom who's actually a well-known Christian author, and it, it really shocked me wow. that he was willing to blurb the book, and he does because he says this is what's, you know, this is what's being taught truthfully if you if you really go to the truth of of some of the old teachings. This is the truth of it being, you know, reclaimed, or I don't remember the words he used. And I thought, wow, that's really kind of astonishing to be willing to to come out in, in support of a channel text, you know? So I don't, I, I, this is what I think at this point. Truth is truth, and I don't think it really matters what you call anything, mm-hmm. you know? And the guides now are really talking about how every name that everything's been given has just been it's been a way to to define or have a relationship to a concept that the divine finally is no name you know it's it's beyond names it's it's beyond form, although we have these experiences in form that are operating in in, in a limited strata or a limited octave of experience. So, you know, my resistance to this when it came out was extraordinary. Um, when they first came out with the first book called I Am the Word, I'm thinking, oh, brother. <laughs> um, but the word, as they describe it, is the energy of the creator in action. And now they're speaking to it really as 
an articulation of form, things spoken into being. You know, they say if you look at look around your room right now, wherever you are, everything in your room was named by somebody who came before you. You know, and we have relationships through language to a realized world. And for something to be rearticulated is to be renown, respoken, reconceived. And that's what they're doing with us. They're lifting us up to another level that exists sort of beyond the collective agreements which I would say have to include, you know, religion, because yeah. religion, you know, can be a gateway for great awareness and, and, and spiritualization for, for many. But it doesn't always work that way because of what's happened to, to many of our religions. Yeah, and I, I have to say that once I got past the initial, like, cringe, like, oh, gosh, I'm seeing words that make me uncomfortable from my past. Yeah. But once I actually got into the text, and this has been a several-year progression, but mm-hmm. there is so, as you said, truth is truth. And yeah. reading it the way that the guides present it here in the Book of Freedom and your other books, it resonates in a way that I'm like, oh, that's what was meant by that original teaching. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense now. And I do wonder, you know, there are there are several spiritual channels working today that I think are bringing through some just amazing wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you being one of them, and and I'm. It just seems to me that as we're evolving as a species, we are being given um, new information to meet us where we are on the evolutionary scale. Whereas what was given before, it's either been distorted or mm-hmm. we need to, it's kind of like you're going through the ranks in your education. You've got to, as you get older, you need to be met with more advanced material. And do you think that that's kind of what's happening now with, with people that are bringing through amazing things like you are that are really taking us to a new level? You know, I hope so. I mean, I actually don't read other channels' work, and mm-hmm. I don't read other people's stuff, and I wish I did. But there's every, and I buy everything. I just don't crack the books. And I think <laughs> part of this is about keeping what's coming through me clear. You know, and yeah. sort of un, informed by the language that others may use. And occasionally, I'll do a session, and somebody will come up to me and say, "Oh my God, Joe Dispenza is saying the same thing that <laughs> I've heard of him, but I don't know his work." You yeah. know, so, um, so I find that helpful. The, the 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 validation is coming because you know it's available in the field, and we're we're all claiming it. I suspect with different language, um, and and in specific ways, and I I think that there's a reason for this. I mean, I think who's gonna hear the work that comes through the guides that I work with are be the, will be the people that need to hear it in that way. And in some other part of the world, it's going to come in a different language with, the, with a different vocabulary. Yeah. Do I think this needs to come through a channeled source? Not necessarily. I think it needs to come, you know, again, truth is truth. I don't, don't think it really even matters. But all I know is this is how it's coming through me, and my hope is that I'm not the only person um, who's working to help support this kind of information becoming available to people that otherwise wouldn't encounter it. Yes, yes. Um, well, we've touched a little bit on this earlier in, in our time together, but um, I just want to return back to it because it's something that I really struggle with. And so I'm just going to read a quote from the book, and it's on fear. And um, it says that the way to bypass fear is to lift above it to the self that cannot agree to it nor ever will. 
And I'm just curious, Paul, you know, how does that actually work in a human life? You wake up mm -hmm. and you're scared you won't be able to pay your rent that day or you're scared your husband is going to leave you. How do we do what they're saying, lift above it? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's what they're teaching. So uh, let me see. Let me, I'm, I'm going to go to them with this, if I may, because I'll probably get it wrong. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And I should say that if I'm going to channel on this thing, you know, it's a little weird, and I whisper the words as they come and repeat them, if you choose fear. They're saying if you choose in fear, you, come, you claim a relationship to it. You're you, your husband leaving maybe may be the greatest blessing of your life, of your life, but your attachment to what should be, your attachment to what should be would confirm the idea, would confirm the idea that, cannot, that this is something that cannot happen or should not or should not and consequently react. And consequently, you react and claim, and claim the relationship in fear to go above fear. To go above fear is to align, so is to, align to the true self who is unafraid, who is unafraid. There is nothing wrong with being, with being in an encounter with fear, but you don't have to take the bait and run with it and run with it. You don't have to chase the husband, the husband or be terrified or be terrified about the outcome about the outcome when you put your belief when you put your belief in things of this world in things of this world you will always be disappointed, you will always be disappointed because you cannot control the outcome because you cannot control the outcome this then becomes opportunity this then becomes opportunity for however for a higher level of awareness of awareness of who and what you are of who and what you are these things these things become the stepping stones the stepping stones to a new awareness to a new awareness of your own capacity, of your own capacity to live without fear, to live without fear, to choose beyond fear. To choose beyond fear is not going to do is simply not to go into agreement with what you believe to be a fearful period. And they're saying period. Mm. So that's their introduction. I mean I still get you know I still I still frightened of things. Mm -hmm. And although I have to say I'm better than I was, and I am far less inclined to be choosing in fear than I used to, mm -hmm. um, because I really do know that when I choose in fear, um, I'm going to get more of the same. And, you know, the guides say there's never been a lie that was told that wasn't told in fear. Yeah. So that's another really easy way to begin to, to work beyond that, you know, is to not go into agreement at those levels. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the beginning. It's a much bigger teaching, but they talk about this stuff a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and they've done a number of series on moving beyond fear, and it's a big chunk of, I think, the teachings in many of the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and speaking of fear, um, I think that it, one of the things that I noticed in this book also, and I don't recall, Paul, um, if this I didn't recall it being in other books, but uh -huh. um, the reference to America specifically in the Book yeah. of Freedom um, and our current events and, as I put it, the articulation of injustices, is that mm -hmm. new that they're referencing our country specifically? In the very first book, I Am the Word, oh, they did, and okay. they're doing it again, and they're doing it in the live streams lately, which is really throwing me, and they <laughs> do it. Um, but they never they never get specific. I mean, there were... Uh, two days before, two or three days before the last election, I was presidential election. I was channeling in Richmond, Virginia, and they did a lecture, which is it's actually up on YouTube, called "Great Change." Hmm. And uh, you know, and they said, "Okay, so you're used to choice being, 
you know, I'm going to have the milk or the cream in my coffee. And what you're about to get is what happens when the table is turned over that we're holding the milk and the cream, oh which is kind of what happened, you know. Yeah. And um, so they, they, they've never really referenced political figures or specific events. Oh, actually, did they talk about 9-11? I think they might have in the very first book after the fact. And they talked about, and I am the word, that the United States had an opportunity now mm-hmm. to sort of move into a different role as, uh, as, as uh, I can't remember how they said it, as, as a culture or country, you know, in transition. And in order for us to succeed and survive, we had to let go of the need to dominate yep. and to control in the ways that we have done so. And then we become a model for great change and, uh, we didn't do it. You know, we've done what we've always done. And what they say globally is that humanity is at a time of reckoning. And they call a reckoning a facing of oneself and all of one's creations. Yep. And they say that everything that's been created in fear needs to be reconceived. I mean, they say, you know, our idea of being safe has been to build a bigger bomb. And if you think mm. about building a bomb for safety, you can begin to see how insane that truly is because they say eventually they will go off. Yep. That's what they're made for. They're not meant to sit in a silo. They're meant to go off. If we keep building them, we're going to have to deal with the ramifications of our collective choice, and then we learn that way. And I don't hear them saying gloom and doom, and they don't speak to disasters and wars, but they do say we have choice. So there is a whole level of social I don't know, I'm not going to say social justice, that's the, the current word, but they're really speaking to our accountability to others mm-hmm. and how we negate our own responsibility. They do talk about borders and walls and separation and illustrations of separation, and they yeah. say, you know, our belief that we're separate from other people has is so extreme that we've separated ourselves from what we know of as source as well. And so we're operating in this schism, which can be remedied, but it can't be remedied as long as I'm denying the divine and somebody who doesn't look like me or think as I do or do as I think they should. And this goes back to the simple idea of, you know, what you damn damns you back. It's really that simple. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. Yeah. Um, Well, Paul, before we get too close to the end of our time together, um, I want to just, I noticed on your website, you've got a new offering, um, the Students of the Guides, a membership site. Can you tell us what that is or what people can look for if they want to take your work further? Sure. I mean, the Students of the Guides, you know, students, for 18 years I did this thing in my my living room, and now I'm doing it publicly in workshops, but I used to have people, people, a group once a week, it was a laboratory for the work, and people would sometimes call in and join. And now it's a, it's a pretty much a weekly Wednesday live streaming where the guides are teaching and taking questions. And people can sign up for that just by going to my website and sign up for an individual session, or they can subscribe. And Students of the Guides um, offers the ability to, to participate in the ongoing live stream series. Um, but there's also this huge archive of channeled lectures and videos and recordings. Um, 
so we're adding to those every month so i mean it's a really it's a real way to steep oneself in these teachings i mean the books are the teachings of the guides but they're lecturing outside of the books every week and in every workshop so i just finished a five-day workshop at a Silomar in monterey california and all of those lectures i think are going to be up there in students of the guides and it was a whole new teaching on you know manifestation and identity and the claiming of reality and how reality is constructed i mean it's trippy trippy stuff but it was really clear so all of that's available people can subscribe if they want to the library and just have access to the archive archives or the lab and, and get the live streams as well you just sign up for free and then there's access to you know free content that's up there and it's available to anybody Oh, that's wonderful. And then I also noticed, I checked your events page just for folks up here in the Pacific Northwest, and my understanding is the next time you're going to be in our area will be Portland in February 2019. Does that sound yes. right? Okay. In Portland. I'm in California again, okay. which is close by in Berkeley in, I think, November, and then I'm, I'm at the Esalen Institute for a number of workshops in, in December, and then back to Portland, which I love. Yes, I, this, um, I know uh, some of my friends were able to see you when you were in Seattle, and I think some of those teachings actually made it into the Book of Freedom, which is really yeah, exciting. Yeah, they were the book there. Yeah, yeah, and so for those out there that may want to see Paul when he is on our side of the country um, or in the Pacific Northwest, just go to paulselig.com, paulselig.com, and there you will find a complete listing of all the events um, as well as that uh, Students of the Guides uh, membership site to see if you want to um, take this work further. Um, so, you know, as we as we come close to ending our time together, Paul, I just I wanted to revisit a couple of things that um, I just can't get enough of hearing about. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, how what our lives will look like, or what they look like when we are living as our divine true self in full expression. I mean, will it be all sunshine and roses, or what What does it look like? Well, I ask that question a lot, and especially in the book that they just finished, which is another one that's coming out in, I guess, in August. Um, but And the guides say, not what you think, because it's not, <laughs> not the small self who's the experiencer of it. In a lot of ways, I mean, it's the life we're living now, but we're not operating at a level of fear nor are we calling that to us. So let me go to them and see if they want to give you something that's a, a little more specific. We're saying we would love to ask you who you are. Actually, who you are in, higher, in a higher octave claims life, or claims a life for your recognition, in recognition of your, of your own divinity of all things, and the divinity of all things you become. In a, you become, you become in a sacred act. In a sacred act of expression of expression, which means you're about to which means your vibration is lifting what you encounter to a higher level, to a higher level by very nature of being, by very nature of being. Does this mean, does this mean your back no longer hurts, your back no longer hurts, or, children behave, or your children behave as you would have them, as you would have them, not necessarily, not necessarily. You're informed, you are informed, and having an experience on this plane, but witnessing it, but witnessing it and oscillating and oscillating in a higher vibrational field, in a higher vibrational field that encounters, that encounters a manifest world, a manifest world that is quite brilliant, that is quite brilliant and exists beyond what you've known and exists beyond what you've known. You are no longer moored to the density, to the density of the old experience, of the old experience. So you can call to you what exists in a higher octave, 
what exists in a higher octave. Any song may be played. Any song may be played in multiple octaves. In multiple octaves, you song. You are simply lifting your song, and then your resonance, and then your resonance, which brings one world, which brings you in a, into accord with your world, with your world in a higher way, in a higher way. Period. And they're saying period. Mm. That makes sense. And then it makes me wonder, okay, so I want to be in that higher frequency. And so as they were talking, I was thinking, okay, if I start listening to, <laughs> so let's say mm-hmm. I listen to my audiobooks like at night, because sometimes I have trouble sleeping and I let them play yeah. kind of as I'm in and out of sleep. Is that an even more effective way, perhaps, to to live in that state where I'm at the higher octave? I don't know. You know, I don't <laughs> think it's about getting it right. I okay. think, I mean, at the very end of the Book of Freedom, they teach... They have everybody go up a flight of stairs and across a threshold. And and, it's, it's, and and the next book, they unpack it. It's the upper room, which is where the whole book is taught from. But you can do this now if you want to. It's really not that hard. Just set the intention that you're lifting to the upper room. And the upper room, they say, is the higher strata. It's the next octave up. And when we do this in groups, the whole group can feel it. You know, I mean, it's it's literally there's an aspect of you that already knows who she is, yeah. and that's who's going to support you in this. It's not about the small self trying to find the passcode, you know, to the speakeasy <laughs> yeah. to get into this place where it's all going to be okay. I don't know that it really works that way. Yeah. Um, let me let me see the best thing that you can do. They're saying trust yourself to know that you have to that you have what you need to be realized to be realized. And they're saying, and stop looking for it outside of yourself, outside of yourself. You'll never find it. You will never find it. Go within, go within, and claim your identity. And claim your identity as who you are, as who you are, the true self as you. The true self as you will be your teacher, will be your teacher, and she will never leave you. And they're saying, and she will never leave, never leave you, period. They're saying, period. Mm. Okay, I love that. Paul, thank you for bringing through those specific messages and answer to the questions that uh-huh. we've had here today. And we're about 30 seconds <laughs> from the end of our okay. hour, so that is a perfect place to close on. So, um, folks, I've been talking today with Spiritual Channel Paul Selig, um, the latest book in the Mastery Trilogy called The Book of Freedom will be released in just mere days on November 6th. Paul, thank you so much for coming back on Sunny in Seattle. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And for those of you out there, um, you're going to want to check out the Book of Freedom. Um, So you've been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, signing off.